One announcement I failed to make next Sunday morning. Uh, there'll be a handout. I think it was already passed out, maybe. But I want to honor our veterans at the beginning of the service next week. So if you're a vet or active duty at this time or know someone, I invite you to make sure you're here next Sunday morning. We've been in a series of core basics. Last Sunday, we talked about being in Christ from Romans. We'll be in the book of Colossians this morning. And the song Naomi sang ties in very clearly with that. No, we rest in Christ and all that we have in him. And we reflect in Christ this morning, not only through considering scripture, but also through communion after we consider God's word and then through some songs also. Let's pray together. Father, we are very grateful for Christ. When we come to faith in Christ, we have forgiveness, reconciliation, your power at work in us with so many other items. And as we look at a few verses from Colossians this morning, minister deeply, Father, for your glory. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Need a volunteer. Oh, come on up, Ali. I pointed to you first. You two guys, Marvin boys, volunteer. I have a dollar here. Do you want this dollar? Are you happy and content with that? Is that enough? <laughs> I have a second dollar here. Are you happy and content with two? Okay, you may go sit down. Not a third one here yet. <laughs> Contentment. You know, when do we get content? If she would have kept saying, I'm not content, I ran out after three. But So question, just as a thought question, are you fully, totally content with your life? Are you just content the way life is? Is your family totally and fully content with your life now? the way it is. Ponder this. Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Is Christ sufficient for you to live godly and holy and daily life with all that you're going through at the present time? Ponder. You have been given fullness in Christ who is the head over every power and authority. Do our daily lives reflect the fullness that we have in Christ? As a church, as individuals, we go through transitions in life. And as I mentioned a number of weeks ago, I'm not getting any younger. One of these days, you know, a transition will be taking place, and hopefully that will be slow and gradual But a core basic in the midst of transitions in life is to understand that Christ alone is sufficient for a relationship with God, relationships within the body of Christ, and all of daily life in the world. Christ alone. 
And we know that Christ alone involves the body of Christ. But it's Christ. That's a core. You cannot part from Christ. I want to go to Colossians chapter 1. Paul is writing to the believers in Colossae. Apparently there was some teaching coming along that would be saying that Christ, you came to faith in Christ, but... And some teaching that would have said there's a series of beings that you need to follow, you know, to go from where you are to Christ. And Paul comes across very strongly. It's Christ. In, through, with, of Christ are used at least 34 times in the book of Colossians, emphasizing in Christ. And in verses 3 through 8, he mentions that he prays for them. He is thankful for them, that they are growing and responding. They're being fruitful. And then in 9 through 14, he prays for them. And in verse 13, he says, For he, God has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. In his prayer, he says, God rescued us from the dominion of darkness, rescued the Colossians from the dominion of darkness, brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. In whom? In Christ. There's redemption. There's forgiveness. As we think about redemption and forgiveness in the context context of darkness, think about darkness as being pitch Black, total, complete darkness. You go with me, and I, if you were here yesterday, I used this briefly. Go with me to northern Georgia, and we go to a cave down there that is out in the middle of nowhere that a few people have been in, and we go down, and we have someone with us. We get down there, and we get into the cave, maybe a third of a mile. And I say to the person that is with us, now you leave and you take all the lights with you. What's going to happen? You put your hand in front of your face and do this and you can't even see anything because it's total, complete darkness. You can do what you want down there, but you'll never find your way out. I think that's what Paul is saying. He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness, a separation from God, not a physical darkness, but a spiritual darkness, a separation from God. There's no life. He's rescued the Colossians, believers today, and if you've not come to faith, you can come to faith, from darkness brought us into what? The kingdom of the Son he loves. God has done that. And then he says, in whom? In Christ, there is redemption, forgiveness. And I want to illustrate redemption with what is happening in our own country and in other countries. There are girls, I'm talking young girls, teenagers, and ladies that end up in sexual slavery. 
They are obtained in some way. In some countries, parents will sell them for money because they need money. And a young girl, a teen, or a lady will be used by men sexually because those who own them, is how, that's how they earn their money. And there are certain countries, and it is taking place today, where groups are raising money, particularly in the U.S., raising money to go to these countries and say to people who own these girls, how much do you want for these girls? We're going to pay you for them. How much do you want for these teenagers? How much do you want for these ladies? And they will give the price. And what are they doing? They're redeeming them. They're buying them out from sexual slavery. Paul is saying that there was darkness transferred to the kingdom of the Son God loves in whom we have redemption, the buying out from the power of sin, buying out from being a slave to sin. I bought you out. I redeemed you. And that's in Christ. And that redemption took place when we came to faith through the cross of Christ, and it remains true. You remain redeemed. He says, in whom also you have forgiveness. Let's suppose you take this white sheet of paper and you start to list your sins. You're being honest or you're listing them all, sins and thought and attitude and words and action. When you're done with one side, you flip to the other side. And when you're done with this sheet, you ask for another sheet. And then you go to your parents or family members and say, would you help me list some of my sins? And by the time you're done, if God listed them all, we would have quite a few sheets. I didn't bring my paper shredder shredder down, but it would be like taking this sheet and putting it in the shredder. And God says, I've let go of your sins. I'm not holding them against you. I've forgiven you. But that is in Christ. There can be no compromising on the fact that in Christ we go from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. In Christ there is the redemption, the buying out from sin. In Christ there is forgiveness. Paul then goes on in verses 15 through the end of chapter 1 and talks again about Christ. In verse 15, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him, by Christ, things were created goes on by him, you know, and through him there is reconciliation. And towards the end of the chapter, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ is central. And then in chapter 2 and verse 1 he says, I want you to know how much I am struggling for you and for those at Laodicea. For all who have not met me personally, my purpose is that they may be encouraged in heart. And united in love, so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding, in order that they may know the mystery of God, 
namely, Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. You might come to the full riches of complete understanding or in order that they may know the mystery of Christ, something that was hidden, but has been revealed, Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I rack my brain, and if you come up with something, tell me the way out, for an example or an illustration of in Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I couldn't come up with a good one. I thought about a bag, and you keep pulling things out of the bag, and it never ends. But I also thought about Proverbs. You read Proverbs. is filled with wisdom and how to live skill in life. And then we come over to the Gospels, and in the Gospels we have Proverbs being lived out in the life of Christ with skill as he related to people. Proverbs being words, the Gospels being the embodiment of Proverbs being lived out. In whom, in Christ, are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. If you have Christ... What else do you need in terms of wisdom and knowledge? Who else do you need? And part of that is the body of Christ, I understand. But in Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Life is pretty routine. You get up this morning. If you're 70 years old, how many thousands of mornings have you gotten up and had breakfast and get dressed? If you work for 30 years, how many years did you get up and go to work? Pretty routine. Along the way, there's some high points. But most of life is very routine. But for all that routine of life, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge to live well? Hidden in Christ. So Hayden goes off to school tomorrow morning. He's riding on the bus and he thinks, in Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I have redemption. I have forgiveness. I have what I need for today. Chip goes for a walk in the woods. He has what he needs to walk well for God's glory. Tina goes to work and the ups and downs in work, having what she needs to live for God's glory in the ups and downs of the job because in Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Bill goes to the doctor. The doctor says your heart still isn't in tune, is it? Not yet. And Bill says, you know, I don't like this. And I'm assuming I'm correct in that statement. But in Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge to live in that circumstance. You go through a tough family situation, and it may not be good. But in Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge to live well in that circumstance. 
It doesn't mean there's not struggles and so on, but in Christ are hidden the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. What you need to know, the skill you need to live well for God's glory in the midst of a lot of pain and difficulty and ups and downs of life are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge in Christ. Can't depart from in Christ. He goes on. As you go on through chapter 2, tells us to continue to live in him, rooted and built up and so on. But look at verse 9. Verse 9. For in Christ all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form. When Christ was here, the fullness of deity, the fullness of God lived in Christ. And you have been given fullness in Christ, who is the head over every power and authority. In Christ, all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form. You've been given fullness in Christ. You've been filled full, took place at a point in time, remains true, and continues to be true as long as we're on this earth and then we're with the Lord. But been given fullness in Christ who's the head over every power and authority. He talks about them a little later in the chapter. The spirit world, Christ, is over the spirit world. We've been given fullness in Christ. I'm going to illustrate fullness with a house. You've been living in a shack. You never have enough money for heat. You don't have enough money to pay your taxes. Food is in short supply. And someone comes along and says, here's a new house. More than adequate. We'll make it 3,000 square feet. It's fully furnished. The cupboards are full. The taxes are paid for the next billion years. The maintenance will be taken care of. People will just come and do whatever needs to be done whenever it needs to be done. When you use something in your cupboard, it will be immediately supplied. You have everything you need. My question, do you want to go and live in it? Paul is saying that in Christ, we have a completed house with all that is ever and will ever be needed. All we have to do is choose to live in it and function in it. God has given us all that we need in Christ. We have fullness in Christ. We choose to live in him. Respond as you live in a house. You can't just be in a house and not do something. You know, you will prepare a meal, but everything isn't there. Taxes are taken care of. You pay them. The money's there. The food is provided. But you have to live there. You have to function within that home. That's when, why Paul says in verse 5 of chapter 3, 
Put to dead whatever belongs to your earthly nature. You're living in this house. You have all the resources in Christ that you need. Now count yourself dead to these items, but alive to love and compassion and patience and so on. We have what we need in Christ. There's fullness. He's the head over every power and authority. He's head over the demonic world. He's head over Satan. Completeness in Christ. He goes on in chapter 2 and mentions other items that we have in Christ. But let's pick up with chapter 3 and verse 1. Since then you've been raised with Christ, or to be in Christ is being raised with Christ, as we touched on last week. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then will you also appear with him in glory. Particularly note verse 4, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. We're in Christ. We come to repentance and faith. And he's saying to the Colossians, you're in Christ. You come to repentance and faith. It's Christ. It's not some other being. It's Christ. And Christ is your life. Now, suppose you are laying in the hospital. And they do a series of tests. And the doctor finally comes in and says, You have a rare blood disease. Your time is very limited. Probably won't even make it a week. There's only one thing that can be done for you. And that is if you get totally new blood. But the match must be identical. And then he says, you have a rare type of blood. So he's being very honest and frank with you. Eight days from now, you'll probably be dead. And lo and behold, on day five, he comes back in and he says, we found someone that was willing to donate some blood. We found two people. And we were able to get enough blood from them for you to have life. If that were true, then you would live because you have new blood. Christ, Paul is saying that Christ Is that blood? He's your life. Christ, who is your life? He'll appear. You'll appear with him. For the Colossians, why are you following these other teachings? Christ is your 
life. There is no other. It's Christ. Christ is, if you please, the blood that is flowing through you. He's the one that enables you. Enables Jacob to go to school tomorrow and be respectful to teachers and to be kind to other students because he's life. It's Christ who enables Rick to go through trials of life and come through the other end, battered and bruised, but still intact because Christ is his life. It's Bill who may lose a wife and come through the other end intact, having been up and down, but more mature because Christ is his life. And that's Paul's argument. As he says at least 34 times, in, through, with, of Christ. It's Christ. Christ is non-negotiable. You can't negotiate Christ. He's the core. Well, let's add this. You can't. Let's do the, add this. We can't. It's Christ. And Christ alone. You could spend much more time in Colossians, but a couple thoughts. What Christ alone, or only Christ alone, has dealt with humans being separated from God. Only Christ can deal with that lack of a relationship with God. Only Christ. That's core to our lives. That's core to our message. As I mentioned last week, you go back some 500 years in the Reformation. Now that would have been an issue. It's only Christ alone has dealt with, been victorious over the enemies we face, Satan, the world system, a system of beliefs and thoughts, and the flesh, our own sinful nature. It's Christ and Christ alone. Only Christ alone has provided all the resources believers need to live holy, fruitful, transforming, contented lives in the body of Christ and the world system. In the midst of hearing news, some more people were shot. In the midst of hearing news from the Middle East, that is not good. We can live joyful, contented lives because it's Christ at work within us. You're battling with a besetting sin. You can make progress in that because of Christ and the body of Christ coming alongside. Not that there's instant victory, but it's Christ. Christ alone involves both the person of Christ In the body of Christ, they're a unit. You cannot have Christ without experiencing his body. Christ the head, the body of Christ believers, a unit, both needed in our lives. Christ alone means resting, not trying as we live, 
We respond to the rest we have in Christ. That doesn't mean we don't live, we don't obey. We obey in response to what we have in Christ. Christ and Christ alone. I want to illustrate what we've been talking about. I used the house before. Maybe that ties in more with women. For you guys now, picture in your mind that you have an ideal truck that you would like to own, whatever type it might be. So you get up one morning and there's a new truck sitting in your driveway. Ray, spanking, no. You go out to look and someone comes up to you and says, uh, is this the truck that you wanted? And you say, yeah, this is the type of truck that I wanted for a long time. Well, I want you to know that it is yours. Won't cost you a dime. The tank is full. The insurance is paid. Any maintenance that has to be done along the way that will be provided for, take it to this garage. When you need gas, this is the gas station you go to. It will not cost you a penny. And you go back into the house, and I don't know how you would respond and say to your family, Hey, oh, I got a truck. I got what I wanted. I'm not sure how you respond. You know, I'm, I'm not always real animated. But anyway, you're excited. Two weeks go by, and the person who gave you the truck comes by and knocks on the door and says, have you used the truck? It's in the same spot it was when I brought it. You say, no, I haven't used it. It's free. It works. All you have to do is get in and drive it. Take it wherever you want. A month goes by and the guy comes by again and says, you haven't used the truck. Why not? What's wrong with you? I don't know. I just... I'm not sure. You know, I don't want to get it dirty and I don't want to have a wreck and so on. Have you stopped to consider that when we don't live in Christ, we're letting that truck set in the driveway indefinitely? You drive your old puddle jumper to work. You repair the old puddle jumper, but there's a new truck sitting there. Paul says, in Christ, you've gone from darkness to light. You have redemption, you have forgiveness. In Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In Christ you have completeness. In fact, Christ is your life. Get in the truck, drive it. Live your life. In what you have in Christ. We as a church living in light of what we have in Christ. We respond to this rest that Naomi sang about. You don't have the power to make that truck go. You merely use what is there. Live in light of 
what God has provided in Christ. As we think about that, we want to sing together. And then after singing together, we're going to participate in communion, reflecting on in Christ, what we have in Christ. Travis?